that. And one thing that we hear a lot about on Valentine's Day that is so important to all of our lives is relationships. Relationships. Relationships are very, very important. I mean, think about it. Your relationship with your wife or your husband, come on, that's important, right? It's going to take some work, and you better, you better nurture that relationship, and you better take care of it. But your relationship with your kids, your relationship with your family, you know, relationship. And listen, let's just get real. In the world we live in, your business, depending on what business you're in, all is determined off of the relationships you have with your customers, right? I know plenty of businessmen right now that'll tell you they wouldn't be where they are had it not been for the relationships that they established. So relationships are very important. When I was putting this message together, and I actually titled this, Check Your Relationship. Check your... And what I want to talk to you about today is, 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 you know, I talk with you guys week after week after week, and I try to emphasize the importance of your relationship with God. All right? Now, when I get done with this message, and this is going to be kind of a tough message to get through, so you guys put your stones outside. Don't throw them at me, but understand I'm doing this in love, and it's important. Stick with me all the way through. Don't check me out when I first say something that may get on your toe a little bit, all right? Because you know my heart, and that's not my heart. But when God was telling me this, the first thing I said was, oh, God, are you serious? You know, really? And he was like, yeah, we need to go down this road. Because he told me something. You know, we have pretty good conversations, and Weirdly, I'm just like, I'm just like Michelle. We, we, God talks to me in the shower. And the kids are like, why do you take two-hour showers? Well, I'm arguing with God, usually over the message i got to preach that Sunday. But he told me this, and, I'm, and we were, we were, he, was, he said, there's so many people in this world that we live in, so many people that are doing all that they can to pursue a relationship with this world. But yet there's so many people that are doing very little to pursue a relationship with me. I was like, oh God, where's this going to go? You know, this is going to be tough. And I want you to honestly ask yourself, and you don't have to do just right now, get before God. And I want you to ask yourself, are you pursuing a relationship with God? Or are you pursuing a relationship with this world? Because listen, there's going to be fruit that we can see from your life. Fruit from we can see in your everyday environment that's going to come from one of the two. In other words, if you're in a relationship with God, there'll be fruit seen in your life. It's not about somebody pointing something out, trying to condemn you for making mistakes or doing this or other. There'll be fruit as a result of that relationship. Now, if your relationship is all in pursuing the relationship with the world, the things of this world, the desires and the lusts of this world, listen, you're going to have some results that are going to show in your life. And see, this is the one thing I want you to get out of this message, a big thing, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you now so you can think about it when we're, when we're going through, is, is, is this is a, a big part of why people are struggling in this very world that we live in. They're not completely sure about the relationship, the, which relationship they're going after. And you have to remember, your choices dictate so much in your life. What you allow yourself to participate in, what you allow yourself before your eyes, before your ears, so much of that dictates the things that happen in your life. Amen. And this was, and, and I'm going to use the Super Bowl as an example because there was a lot of controversy again with the Super Bowl. And listen, listen, you guys know me. I love my sports. And I'm not telling you you're sinners if you watch the Super Bowl, but I am going to use this as an example. Because, listen, this year, and we all know the Super Bowl has a reputation of standing for not-so-good things. 
right? The, the types of commercials they show down to the, my gosh, I didn't see it, but I've had, I heard plenty about it with the, the halftime show, right? And I had a, I had a, uh, a really good conversation with a gentleman, and he's, he, he, he's an atheist. He's, he, he works at a place that I go just about daily, and he knows I'm a pastor. We're not really friends, but we're acquaintances, and we just kind of bounce things off of one another. And he saw me coming the day after the Super Bowl, and he said, hey, because he always calls Christians hypocrites. How are all the hypocrites doing today? And I said, yeah. I said, so-and-so, everybody, I guess they're doing good, you know. You know. He said, well, I, I said, well, go ahead, what's on your mind? And he said, well, I just thought it was interesting that, that all you Christians were so quick to go, or hypocrites, so, uh, were so quick to go to social media after the Super Bowl to complain and gripe about what they just viewed. He said, it sure is funny to me that all you hypocrites chose to participate in it. And I was like, wow, you know, how do you argue with that? How do you argue with it? Now, I'm not saying you can't watch the Super Bowl. But what I'm saying is we all have standards. We all have standards. So you need to get before God, and you need to figure out what that standard is. And guys, and don't drop that standard. Don't participate in things. Don't participate in things just because this world says that's what you want to do. And I'm going to show you some things about this as we get into this. But think about that standard, all right? Think about it. Because so many of us participated in it. And it's because we desire and we love the sport. But look how the enemy has used the sport in in an underlying way to get things into the society we live in. We don't even realize it's happening, guys. Stick with me. Stick with me. I see some of you picking up your rocks, but don't do it. And listen, I love football. You know I love football. Gosh, I really do. And I just, I made a decision this year that I wasn't going to participate in it. I wasn't because of what it stood for. Now, this wasn't a message just going against the Super Bowl, but guys, what it stands for, what it tells our young sons and daughters that you can go and do, if you can go present yourself this kind of way, then that's going to make you a somebody in this world. Listen, it may make you somebody in this world, but this world's temporary. It's not going to make you anything special in the eyes of God, right? And so I'm not, I, I just chose, I made, my standard's pretty high. My standard has to be high. I'm your pastor. I've got to set the example for you guys. But I, and this is not, against, this, again, this is not a condemning message. This is just to make you aware. Check your standard. Check your relationship. Are you pursuing a relationship with God? Are you pursuing a relationship with the world, Right? And that's what I want you to get out of this. I want you to understand is what are your standards? What are your standards? And are your standards the same as God's standards? Because that's, that's, that's the big question that everybody has. And we're, now, we're talking about relationships, okay? And I, I have emphasized the relationship with, that you need to have with your heavenly father since we started this church, and I'll never stop. Because there are so many things in your life that are determined because of that relationship. So many things. There are people missing out on moves of God in their life because they're trying to balance two relationships instead of being all in with one relationship, right? And I see that constantly as a pastor. It it breaks my heart because, you know, and I have a tender heart when it comes to my family and my people. So it breaks my heart, and I think that's why God led me to this message, right? But listen, and you've got to think about the very world we live in. And think about this. I haven't talked about this in a while, but let me remind you. We, we're a three-part being, right? We are a spirit. We have a soul, and we live in a body. We are, your spirit is what's made new when you're born again, right? Your soul, that's your, mental, that's your mental realm. That's your intellect, your thinking, your reasoning, 
And that's unfortunately, that's where most people stay. They don't get into the spiritual realm because your spiritual realm is where you communicate with God. They struggle with that a lot, but that's not the point of this message. But the third part is we are flesh, okay? We are flesh. We, we are this body that we walk in, okay, and we, we, this, that we walk this earth in. And now this flesh likes things, doesn't it? It likes things. Your flesh likes things. And when Adam created high treason and then sin came into the world, our nature changed. It changed. We took on a sinful nature. Now, yeah, we all have a sinful nature, including myself. And, if, and see, it, it, if you have a sinful nature, which we all do, and you have a flesh that chases after pleasures of this earth, come on, then there's some things you got to do in this life. And you got to understand that's important to get. You have to understand that about yourself. We have a sinful nature. And we have, we have a flesh that's trying to lead us and trying to, to take us to the pleasures and the lusts of this world. So you've got to understand that about yourself, right? Galatians 5.19 says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lavishness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, sedations, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of which I tell you before, as I've told you in the past, that which such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Guys, this flesh, this flesh, your body, if you allow it to lead you, to guide you, to drive you, to be your driving force, it's going to get you in trouble. It's going to get you in trouble. I mean, think about it. When I'm driving down Opelika Road in front of the mall, and that big red hot sign on the side of Krispy Kreme is on, and it says hot now, man, my flesh is like, ba-boom, let's go. Because, guys, I'm going to tell you, man, I can get a dozen of those hot donuts. I can put eight of them down. Eight of them down. Now, that's not healthy, right? It's not healthy. So, so that tells me I, I got to do something. As a matter of fact, Paul told us we had to do something. Paul told us that we have to keep our flesh under, right? He did. 1 Corinthians 9, 27, it says, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Right? Paul knew something. God showed him something right there. And if you study that out, the reason that Paul kept his body under is because he knew that if he, if he allowed his body to take him places, he allowed this flesh to take him places, that flesh was going to lead him to some desires that he had in his, in his, in his, in his body that, that he didn't need to participate in. And his love for God was so powerful, so strong, that he, he refused to do anything to let him down. He had pretty high standards, right? And he knew that if we, if we just allowed this flesh to lead us and direct us, we were doomed. He knew it. We were doomed. Matter of fact, if you let your flesh control everything that you do, because remember, you have a sinful nature. It doesn't mean you're a bad person, right? It, it means you just got to understand what, where's the control coming from. Now, we're talking about relationships, and I'm going to get to that in a second, but I'm, right now I'm talking about the flesh, Right? You've got to keep it under control. You've got to put it under. Don't allow your flesh to go chasing after the things that you, the desires of this world. See, that is a fruit of pursuing a relationship with this world instead of pursuing a relationship with God. Amen? It is. And see, the problem is today is we have generations, generations of kids that, that are coming out now, and uh, they, they, they're really confused. Because they've never been taught. Churches have never taught 
that you need to control your flesh. You need to have self-control over that. They, they, you have generations coming out, and they, they, they have no idea what that means. So they have, they just, they, they're looking to this world to give, some, to give them some antidote to fix their problems. And a lot of it is just simply the fact they need to put that flesh under. They don't need a medicine to fix it. They need a problem. They need to put that flesh up. They need to take some self-control and control their flesh, right? And so, but we have so many that they don't understand that. And because they don't understand that, they have no standard. No standard for how they live their life. And that's really sad, guys. It's really sad because I see a lot of people hurting in this world. And, and, and as a pastor, you know, we, I do this because I love my people. I love people anyway. It doesn't matter if they're, they're part of Compass Church or, or what. I want everybody to be a part, of, a part of God's church. And that's my heart. And I see people hurting. And I realize why. And I know the answer. And if they would just make some changes and pursue that right relationship and make some adjustments in their life and cast some things out, the glory to God, it could change their lives. Send them in next, another direction, right? And you've got to think about our morals and our standards in this very world we live in. They've been under attack forever. Because I'm going to show you something. The enemy is what? He's a master deceiver, right? Now, I know we all think we're smart. We all think that he can't, you know, we, he, can't, he can't slip one over on us. But he's smart. He's a master deceiver. He's been doing this a long time. And how does he work? Through deception. Through deceiving you. And, and, and he's been doing this a long time. And now, think about how Satan attacks. When Satan attacks... Matter of fact, he comes, he's under the radar. He, he, Satan knows we're of a sinful nature. He knows that our nature is going to be to follow after the lustful desires if we don't understand how to control our flesh. He knows that. So what he's going to do is he's, he's coming under the radar and he's going to be slipping things in. He's going to be slipping in just a little. Just a little. He's going to slip it in just a little. Just a little. And he comes on in. Now Satan doesn't just come right up and grab you by the shoulder and say, I'm taking you out. As a matter of fact, when you talk to people and counsel people, you realize that when they're under attack from Satan, they, they, a lot of times they don't even realize it until it's just a full-blown attack. And he's all on, right? That's how subtle he is. Now, how does that affect our standards? It affects our standards because he's good at what he does. And when he comes under and he slips that in, he slips that, sin, that little bit of sin in, and we see it. And the first time we see it, it may, may catch us a little bit. But then, you know, we don't think nothing of it because it's just a little bit. And then he slips a little more. And then he slips a little more. And he slips, all this takes time. And he slips a little more. And before you know it, we just accept it. It's part of life. Part of life. That's just, that's just how we do it. It's just how we live life. And he's smiling. He's happy. He's mastered. And, then, and, and what happens is people tend to drop their standard. They just accept it. Listen, that's how, and he's, he's quiet, he's subtle, and he's right under the radar, and half the time we don't even know he's after it. See, it's what, he, it's what he's done with the Super Bowl over time. Just a little bit more in, pushing the limits a little more, pushing the limits a little more, pushing the limits a little more. We don't even realize it. We just accept it. That's how you do it. That's how we do it. And see, people who are not, in the, not pursuing a relationship, an all-in relationship, now it's very important to understand an all-in relationship. People who aren't pursuing an all-in relationship with God, all right, they, those people will begin to accept it as truth. And it's happening in our very society. The things that people accept as truth. Truth. Now, some of this may be hard to hear. You young guys, listen to me. I'm not just an old man griping because I'm, I'm, I'm speaking because I've been down the path. 
I've seen some things, and I want to prevent you from, from lowering your standard just because the world says, this is just how we do it. This is just accepted. I had a lady tell me the other day, I was at the gas station. I was in line, and she knew the lady behind the counter. This was a young lady, and all I'm going to say is she was not dressed appropriately. And the, young, the, the older lady behind the counter told her, was letting her know, you're not dressed appropriately. And she was quickly, quick to raise her voice and tell that woman, she said, I have the right to do what I want to do. I can wear what I want and how I want to wear it, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. She had no standard. No standard, because if you saw what she was wearing, you would understand. It wasn't appropriate. It wasn't appropriate. No standard. No standard. Now, let me give you, let me give you an example, just something. I'm trying to make this a little bit easier to understand. And, and I'll use television because, you know, some of you think of television. What's that? I thought we all did everything on the Internet now. But listen, think about censorship on television. And think about 35 years ago. Say Some of you aren't old enough to think back then. But 30 years ago, we didn't see as much skin on television. We didn't see as much uh, all of the, well, I call some of what's on public television now pornography. I mean, it's, it's very, very, very pushing the limits. We didn't see all that back then. But over time, things changed. Things progressed. Now, what happened? Well, 30 years ago, Satan got in somebody's head. I mean, you know, he attacks us in our minds and our thoughts and our imaginations. Gets in some producer's head and said, hey, you know what? These, are sin- these people are uh, of a sinful nature, so sexual things will sell. How about putting a little more skin on this, in this game? It'll bring your ratings up. Now, this producer, he thinks it's a good idea. That's good, so... You know, he slips in a little bit, just a little, just enough to get by because he's pushing the limits. And then before long, you can see whatever you want to see after 9 o'clock at night. And then over time, it progresses a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And listen, it gets to a place where he's slipping that in and people don't even receive, they don't even understand that it, there's any, they don't see anything wrong with it. They've dropped their standard and they just accept it. It's happened. It's happened. This is, you see it with our television, and Lord knows you see it with our internet. Guys, I mean, let me give you a stat really quick on your internet, parents. The, the average age that a child, boy or girl, in America today that views pornography is 11 years old. That's, that's staggering, guys. That's, the parents, but we continue to give them the devices without protection, and we continue to do these things. Why? Because the world says my 11-year-old needs a cell phone. Well, I'm not saying don't give your 11-year-old a cell phone, but listen, use some guidelines, use some parenting. You know, I, I don't think they need a, a, a cell phone, but that's just me. But listen, they, a lot of these things are based off of what the world says, and that's the fruit of pursuing a relationship with the world versus pursuing a relationship with God. Amen? Don't get to a place to where you drop your standards and you just simply begin to accept things because that's, that's what happens when, when you're pursuing the wrong relationship, right? When you're pursuing the wrong relationships, you begin to drop standards to, to, to appease your sinful desires and that sinful nature, right? And you make excuses to justify why you want to be in something. Now, listen, I'm not... Please don't, don't understand. I'm not trying to harp on you guys at all. I want to make you aware Aware so that you can adjust if you need an adjustment or so you can speak to whoever may need to be spoken to, all right, from here on out. And, now, and that's why I want, I want you guys to honestly ask yourself, are you pursuing 
a relationship with God or are you pursuing a relationship with the world? And listen, uh, living a lifestyle by God's standards, and it's like what Michelle was saying, it's not living a lifestyle of rules, all right? It's not at all. And that's, that's everybody's big argument when they, when they come to talk to a pastor or to Christians, you know, oh, it's all about following rules. It's not. Listen, living a lifestyle by God's standards is just simply living a lifestyle of love. Yeah. Now, I'm not talking about the emotion love, okay? I'm not talking about the emotion of uh, the little tingly feeling that Michelle gets when she gives me when she walks in the room and you know, and I said, like, oh, wow, Ooh, hello, mama, you know, and I'm not talking about that. You know, I'm, that's, that's romance, that's, that's the emotion love. And listen, and, 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 and there's more to love than just that. What I'm talking about is the God kind of love. And, and what I'm going to show you is love is a force. Love is a force that can change things in your life. It can change your direction. It can change the, the things that look, that look impossible in your life, right? It can. And living by God's standard is simply done out of your love for Him. Your love for Him. And your love for what He's done for you. Because you see, it's love, the, that love that is what sent Jesus to the cross. See, God saw us. We were filthy. We were unworthy, but it was that love, that love that's, that sent Jesus here on this earth to go through a living hell because of that love for Him. And God just wants that love returned back to Him. He wants that. He desires that relationship. Now, let me show you something interesting about love. Well, I'll tell you what. First, let me ask you some questions. And, and you don't have to answer these because we're in church. Ha! But can you, uh, uh, can Satan hinder um, your faith by your unwillingness to, to love? Think about that. Or uh, can, you, uh, can you stop God from uh, blessing you or his, his blessings manifesting in your life because of your unwillingness to love? I mean, think about that. Uh, can you stop? Or can you put yourself in a position where you won't receive from God? I guess that's another way to put it. Because of your unwillingness to love? Well, a big fat yes to all of that. It's very, very true. And let me show you something. Let me show you something. Let me show you something. 1 John 4, 8 says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Now, if God is love, God created us for a relationship, God created us for fellowship, all right, then it's safe to assume that he wants us to love him, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of that's uh, self-understood. But what does that love require? What does it require? Well, Jesus tells us right here in John 14, 21. In John 14, 21, man, when I read this, I was like, oh, my goodness. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. He, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Guys, obedience. Obedience is the key to experiencing a true relationship with God. Obedience, guys. By keeping those commandments, by keeping God's commandments, we demonstrate our love to him. 
right? And then when you, and by demonstrating that love to him, we nurture that relationship that he so desires for each and every one of us, right? Keeping his, now I'm not talking about the Ten Commandments, okay? I'm not talking about the Ten Commandments in Exodus, okay, guys? What I'm talking about, and listen, we should honor those also, but what I'm talking about is God's given us an instruction manual. And he's instructed, basically he's told us what we need to do in our lives, how we need to live our lives. So he's told us something. So simply put, you can say that this is a command from him right here. So you could easily say that's a commandment. Guys, it's keeping God's word. Keeping his word. That's the key to a true relationship with your heavenly father. And that's showing him. And not out of a, a, a heart of, I'm just going to follow the rules, but out of a heart of your love for him. Your love for him. And what he's done for you, right? Amen. Glory to God. I mean, he's, he's instructed us in so many ways. So many things that he wants us to do. And listen, when we spend time, we spend time in his presence and we study in his word, we're, we're getting better equipped, right? And and, when you, and you see, God's called us to obey his word. You've got to get this. And when you're spending that time fellowshipping with him, when you're, you're spending that time reading, you know what he wants you to do? He wants you to make a choice to do what it says. See, see God's not up there like a puppet master making us do. He wants us to choose to do what his word says. Why? Out of our love for him. So he's wanting us to return that love to him, the love that he's shown to us by sending Jesus to the cross. Glory to God. Man. And listen, when you re- obey his written word, when you obey his written word and spending that time and making that choice, oh, glory to God. You can set, so the, the, you can, it'll change the direction of your life. Because when you do that, the word of God then becomes the final authority, the final authority in your life. And you see, that's when the love becomes, that's, that love, that's when it becomes the force. That becomes the force because you've set yourself up in a position connected with God and all of his system. And that force is what, that love is, becomes the force that leads you to victory over anything the enemy throws at you, right? All because of your love for him and your love for God and, and the fruit of pursuing that relationship with God is going to be that you're keeping his word. You're keeping his commandments. You're keeping his word. And listen, and that, listen. that's why we come together and on Sundays and we study and we read and, and, and we preach and, and we teach and all of that to renew our minds, to renew our minds. But it's, it's important to know it's that obedience, that type of obedience that demonstrates to God just how much we love him. You know, that's why it's, it's not about just filling chairs when we say we want people to participate in church. It's because of our heart is we, we want you to, to show him. We want you to have a love that's all out for him. We want you to be all in for him. And we want you to choose to be here so that you can be all in and nurture that relationship and show him because it sets you up and sets you in a place. There are people that are missing out on miracles in their lives. They're missing out on, on, on all kinds of manifestations that God can't bless them with because they're not in that right relationship. They're trying to balance a relationship, and that's dangerous, guys, between God and between the very world that we live in. That's, that's very dangerous, all right? And remember, the true indicator of love is keeping his word, keeping his commandments. And let me just say this. God dropped this on my heart this morning. 
your life should, your Christian life should be based on a foundation, right? But I'm going to give you a word that we don't talk about a lot in church, but it should be based on a foundation of holiness. Holiness. Now, guys, I know we don't talk about that a lot. You know, and, and holiness is very, very important. All right? And, 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 I mean, most believers take the matter of holiness very lightly. A lot of people don't even know what it means. Right? Living a holy life. What does that mean? Are you a holy roller? A lot of people don't think about it. And see, that's the missing link. That's why they, they're, they're not completely connected because of the lifestyle they're living. And they, that's the missing link to them getting the blessings and the miracles that they may be missing. Because of the lifestyle they're living. They're not living a holy lifestyle. I mean, God was a holy God, right? 1 Peter 1.15 says, For the Scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. Right? And listen, He calls us to be set apart. Remember? 1 Corinthians 6, 14-18. And I love this out of the New Living. It says, Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with, with wickedness? How can light live in darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you. Listen. Holy, living a life that's holy, or holiness, it's just simply living a life in agreement with God and in agreement with His Word. It's that simple. And, and holiness, holiness is, is simply, it's a standard that God's called us to live by. Where's your standard? Where's your, what, 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 what relationship are you pursuing? Right? What relationship are you pursuing? And see, and I'm going to throw this out there, guys, and this is, I don't mean to tap on, step on anybody's toes, but we have a lot of believers right now. Believers now. Believers, I'm saying. They want to live their life the way, any way they want. They want to give God Sunday morning. And they want, they want to, I give Him Sunday, and I put some money in there. So I, they, they want to take that and, and, and think now that I can go on back out next week and do whatever I want participate in everything that I want, pursue that relationship with the world, try to balance the two relationships. And see, they want to do all of that because I gave God my little bit there. And, and then they expect God, when, when their world falls apart and it happens all the time, and then they expect God, save me. God, I need a miracle. God, I have this problem. Take it away. And they expect Him to answer their problems. Just like an ATM, get what you want. Guys, it's not going to happen. It's not, I don't care how much faith you talk about, it's not going to happen. And so many people are missing out. And so many people are allowing problems to come into their life. And it's because of their lifestyle that they're living. It's because they're trying. God just wants to know you're all in with Him. All in. All in. See, we, you gotta, you got to have a standard that's up there. Well, if I have that standard, nobody's going to want to hang out. Who cares? It's, but listen, you, you, you take responsibility for your life. And parents, you take responsibility for your family's life. It's all about getting them through this life safe and getting them to heaven with God. Don't worry about what people think about in this world. You can't, you got to have that standard, guys. You can't live any way you want. 
and then just expect God, answer my prayer. I need you. Come on, answer my prayers. Now fix this. You can't do it. You can't. It happens all the time. I see it all the time. I had a guy was working with me up on a job, and he's a pretty rough guy. I mean, he's a good guy, but, you know, he's, he's, he, he hadn't quite got the whole Christian thing down pat yet. Let's just put it that way. But I prayed with him, and, and he did accept Christ. He hasn't made any changes yet in his life. But he came to me, hey, pastor, he said, I need some prayer. And I said, okay, what can we do? What's going on? Tell me what's going on. Ask him a few questions. And after a few minutes of talking with him, and it didn't take but a minute to realize what he was doing. He was going right back to the things that was bringing him down right back to the lustful desires of this world that was putting him in the position to start with. Now, he'll get forgiveness, right? But understand, your, your choices and your decision to do that, to participate in that, when you do that, you set things in motion. You set things in motion, and you are going to deal with the consequences of it. That doesn't mean God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean God's not with you, and he's going to see you through it, but you're going through it. And just like this situation, I prayed for him. He repented. You know, he went on. But you know what? If you knew his situation, he created some mess. And I just looked him straight in the eye. I said, son, you're going to have a rough next, rough month because you're going to deal with this. You set it in motion. See, we can't just float around and do what we want and then just say, God, fix this. I messed up. Fix it. Take care of it. I'm going over here. No, God just wants to know you're all in. All in. All in. And you, you're living your life in a holy way, setting an example, set apart from the world around you. Even, if, even where you worked. As in, I remember when I had to learn to do this. It wasn't easy because I worked in an environment. It was a delivery environment and very similar to what Stephen does. And, man, there's some tough, rough, tough, rough guys. And they lived some tough, rough lives. And, I mean, there was a lot of foul language and this and comments and this, that, and another. And I had to make a choice when I was working there that I had to be a different example. I had to set an, I had to be a, a light unto them, in which that meant that was kind of hard because I knew all these guys. I worked with them a long time. And they had made choices. And they, some of them chose Christ and some of them didn't. That wasn't up to me. But, you know, I'm working with these guys and, and I had to make a decision at some point because when they would get to their together and drinking their coffee and talking all this mess that they don't need to be talking about, you know, we're going here tonight. We're going to this club. We're doing this. We're doing that. I had to make a, a decision to step back. I didn't participate. That type of language didn't come out of my mouth. Now, it, didn't, it was hard to start with because I lost some friends. But you know what? Sometimes you've got to cut some loose. Some of us have got some people in our lives that are bringing us down. You've got to cut them loose. You've got to let them go. Oh, Pastor, no, you know, Christians are supposed to be right there with them. Listen, what did the word say? Come away from the unbelievers. Doesn't mean you can't minister to them when the opportunity arises, but you don't stay with them. Don't stay with them and allow them to bring you down. I can tell you a story right now of a pastor. He was a young guy, very, very evangelistic, and, and he, he, he could preach. He, was, he knew the Word, he could preach, and he, he came up and he felt called to start a, a bar ministry. All right, and there's been some people that have done these. And, I, and my thought was, well, why are you doing a bar ministry? Shouldn't you be trying to pull those people out of there? And he said, well, you know, I just want to meet them where they are. And this, happened, this went on for about six months before he got sucked in. And now, uh, long story short, uh, after that six months, he got sucked into 
to meeting them where they were and allowing them to bring him down. And then he became an alcoholic and he's no longer in the ministry today. And he's only about 32 years old. See, so much potential right there. God had a calling on his life. He was gifted to preach the word of God, knew the word of God. But see, he gave in. He gave in to some desires and got pulled in, pulled off track. Now Satan's sitting there smiling. I got one out of the way. I got one out of the way. Don't be the one that he's trying to get out of the way. Keep that standard high. And if somebody's bringing you down, cut them loose. Cut them loose. Let them go. I've had to walk away from family members that were trying to bring me down. Hardest thing I think I've ever had to do. But I had to make a decision. It's my life. I, it's my life. I've got to take care of my life. I've got to get, I got to, get to heaven on my own. I've got to do what God wants me to do. I can't fall in. I can't fall victim to that. I had to walk away. And I'll tell you this. When I turned my life over to God, I went for a long time with no friends. I had some bad friends. I literally had two. I was a lonely somebody for a long time, for two years. It was a hard two years. But I had to cut them loose. They were bringing me down. Now, I grew up with a lot of these guys. And, and if I'd have stayed with them, they'd have continued to bring me down. I would have got sucked right back into it. I, you think you're strong, but remember the enemy's subtle. The enemy's going to be right under the radar, and you won't realize it until it's too late, and you're pulled right back in. Listen, if somebody's bringing you down, cut them down. Cut them loose. Cut them loose. Check your relationship, guys. The fruit of your relationship with God is that you're keeping His Word. You're, keeping his, you're living your life holy. You're living your life up to His standard. You're not balancing two relationships, right? You're, you're, the, fruit of, and the, the proof of your love to Him is that you're keeping His Word. You're keeping His Word. You're doing what He instructed you to do. And you're, by doing that, you're returning the love back to Him. And, and you're returning the love that He so dearly gave to all of us who was unworthy, and we sure didn't deserve it, right? But see, the fruit of a relationship with this world, I don't have to tell you that. All the chaos. Your family falling apart. You know, your finances falling apart. Your health falling apart. The first thing you need to do is you need to check your relationship. Check your... And just get before God. It's not about somebody getting in your face and telling you. To, just get before God. He'll show you. God... If I missed it, I'm sorry. What, what, what did I do? You know, because you have a sinful nature that may want to pull you into some things. Keep that flesh under. Keep it under. And keep that relationship nurtured in, in, with God. Stay on track with Him. Stay on track. Listen, the fruit of your relationship will always be seen in the simple fact that you're keeping His Word and you're just doing as it instructs. Doing as He tells us to do right here. Amen. Now let me call the